If you can automate all that through use of smart contracts, it makes so much sense. And also, as you know, uh, blockchain is a distributed ledger where every information that you add to the blocks is full transparent. So you can't just hide it or eliminate it. So that creates a lot of trust and credibility for mergers and acquisition transaction or any transaction where you know for sure that this took place and it's solid and there's no errors and you know that this is done properly and you have, you can track back and i think has so much opportunity is for deal making it welcome to a bit cryptic podcast where we interview top crypto experts to take you down the rabbit hole into the world of cryptocurrency now it's time to get a bit cryptic Hey, Kryptonauts, welcome to a Bit Cryptic Podcast. This is Jeff Peterson here, one of your hosts, and today we are in Miami, Florida with the lovely New York-based Alexandra Karpova, who is founder and CEO of Crypto PR Lab and Advisory, a boutique PR and advisory agency focused on blockchain startups. At Crypto PR Lab, Alexandra runs PR campaigns for many brilliant projects such as Ego.io, Desico, TauCoin, Marlin Protocol, Top Network, and Crypto Finance Conference. Alexandra also is a venture partner at Andra Capital, which is a tokenized late-stage technology fund with its Silicon Valley coin, a regulatory compliant and asset-backed security token. Basically, she's a busy lady and she has a lot that she is going to talk about with us today. And I'm really excited to have you on the podcast, Alexandra. How are you doing? Hey, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you also forgot that I we also do put together cele- uh, events in Davos doing World Economic Forum annual meeting. And this year, we're going to put together something really special. We're bringing a crypto celebrity and we're putting some really good companies to sponsor. So uh, tune in and uh, if anybody wants to go to Davos, let us know. So for the people who don't know, for the us plebs, could you explain a little bit what is Davos? What is the World Economic Forum? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So World Economic Forum, one of the most prominent conferences there is out there in the world where the attendees are not regular people, you have to be either part of a ministry, you have to be president, you have to be CEO of top 500 companies. So people that you see there during the time is Justin Trudeau and Donald Trump goes there all the time, Vladimir Putin or any other big personality in business and politics. Um, Real Rubini is there all the time. You see Jack Ma coming, Christine Lagarde, Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, and all other top leaders of the world. So this is a pretty, pretty special. And it takes place, the most, so World Economic Forum has meetings throughout the year. However, the most important one takes place in Davos in end of January. It's January 22nd to the 25th every year. And that's where the top leaders come in. And the entire village of Davos technically turns into one massive event venue where every ski shop, every coffee shop becomes a house of Facebook or a house of a credit suisse or consensus or any or house of Russia or UK or US or basically becomes a kind of a gov- governmental or or a corporate booth for people to come in and check out what's going on there. So it's a very pristine, very unique 
and you have to go through secured uh, securance clearance uh, in World Economic Forum. So you have to supply, you have to submit your clearance, and it's not just for everybody. So there is a law; you have to be invited to it. And what we do, we organize events during that time, bringing leaders of the world and promising tech companies, blockchain companies, to the space to meet those leaders and participate in our events, private dinners, cocktail receptions. Just walk around there and be in that space where every single person has done something amazing. And it feels unbelievable when you just see these people next to you in very small committee type of meetings. So it's incredible. It's, it's pretty incredible. So who have you met there that you were like, so, whoa? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I've been there only once, but a couple of years ago. So I've actually seen Jack Ma, Christine Lagarde was like right there in front of me. Mark Zuckerberg I saw in, in a meeting. Richard Branson I saw he goes there every year. But my co-founder, Masha Sheikh, she used to work with Prime Minister of Kazakhstan. She lived in Switzerland for some time. And she's been in Davos for the past five years. And she's seen so many amazing personalities there. In fact, she gets invited every year to private cocktail reception of Oleg Deribaska, which is a Russian billionaire. And the guests that he puts together are pretty unique. Yes, yeah, so I wish she was here to tell you all about it. But uh, however, it's 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 quite amazing. Guys, welcome all. You should reach out to us if you want to come and experience for yourself. Yeah, so if you have uh, some time to spare in January and want to meet some of the most important people in the world, and uh, yeah, you should hit them up. <laughs> That's right. Tell us a little bit about your background, Alexandra. I know a little bit about you from reading online, but... Uh, I'm just getting to know you now in person. So I want to know a little more. Who is uh, Alexandra Karpova? I know you've done a lot. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm honored. Well, i obviously originally from Russia. I was born in the South. And then my family moved to St. Petersburg. And then I moved to the States for education. I went to school in New York, pursued a degree in finance and economics. And I thought at the time that I, I'm suitable to be a perhaps a banker or professional in the banking field. So um, I had an internship in Bank of America, Morgan Stanley, working in corporate treasury and doing some middle office roles. And I got a full-time offer from Citigroup doing their middle office role, essentially, and being a full-time analyst. And I've done it for a year and I just realized that this is absolutely not me. I cannot be in the middle office. I belong to sales, client-facing roles. I want to rule the process. So I felt I'm really there's something there missing and I'm just not doing the best I can. And at the time, it was just, I guess, the law of attraction really worked. I was just thinking about it so much. And a friend of mine just reached out to me saying, hey, I work this amazing company called Douglas Elman Real Estate, which is number one brokerage firm in New York. And she's like, we're actually hiring a people to join us on the sales team. And we have amazing listings and the clients are great. And she's like, do you want to give it a try? I said, hell yeah. <laughs> Basically, at the time, I was ready to go. And uh, one thing led to another. I joined the D Douglas Elliman, been there for two years, loved it. It was a great experience. Uh, sold, rented commercial and residential real estate. And during my time at Douglas Elliman, a luxury concierge company approached me to be their sales manager. And I thought this is a great opportunity to be very international and dealing with a lot of business and high net worth individual people. And really get exposure to the leaders of the world because this is what I want to be. I always wanted to be on the top. 
And I've done that. I was a sales manager for that a year, a bit more than a year. I've done a great job. It was really good. I loved the experience. And during that time, I was in Europe and then I came back to New York and a friend of mine from London introduced, said, hey, there's this new thing called blockchain and there's this conference near Times Square. Do you want to come? I'll get you VIP pass to get to all events. I said, okay, let's do it. It's, it sounds interesting. At the time, I started to learn about it and um, and I came in and I walk in in the room. And, the they, f- and they poisoned your mind and now you no, can't go back. <laughs> actually, the fun part, I walk in and I've never seen this anywhere else in New York or any other big city. I walk in and it's so diverse. I'm like, oh my God, the Russians, Eastern Europeans. Because what I'm used to in New York, you have to be sort of a specific breed and specific level of education or background to be in a specific field. And here, I'm like, there's all sorts of fields and backgrounds. They're all kind of put together and create something new. I felt extremely impressed and intrigued by that. And this made me really learn more about it and explore the opportunity Traveled to California, where actually I met my co-founder. So blockchain really led me to a lot of things. And I really always wanted to have my own company and be an entrepreneur. I always felt that this is the right for me. And I met my co-founder in San Fran, and we just hit it off immediately. We felt that there's a lot of synergy. And here we are. The rest is the history. And that, and we're just looking forward to growing more and more. And our goal is to build companies and create. We basically support women and minorities in the workspace. And what we're creating right now at Crypto PR Lab and our Davos Ventures most of our, all of our employees are actually freelancers and we don't have an actual office. All of our offices are virtual. So we're building a company that's fully new and doesn't really have the standard uh, kind of cliche things about it. So it's all new era of companies that's what we're trying to build and grow. So your office is decentralized, if you will. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's... I get what you said was kind of uh, poignant. We talk about women in blockchain and how it's one of those issues. I think it's an issue in tech in general, but you especially see it in blockchain. Even on our podcast, I think you're the second female <laughs> we've had on this oh, second woman on it, second woman on this whole podcast out of thirty something episodes. So yeah, I mean, even our own podcast is a view to, to the the need for more women in this space. Do you have any opinion on that, or, or what things people can do to to kind of promote women coming into this space? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, we, we talk a lot about it, me and Mosh and with others. Uh, what we really feel why women are afraid of joining the field is because it's quite risky and it's it's very uncertain. And I feel that women by, by nature, they're very uh, risk averse and very nurturing by nature. So they really want to take very high risk and re- risk everything they have without with absolutely zero uncertainty, especially given the uh, current market situation. And with volatility going back two years ago, I mean, Bitcoin go super up, then it's like super down. And you know, I feel a lot of women are just afraid to being in such a uh, sometimes volatile and unstable industry. So that's number one. Number two, there's really no education. I mean, the reason, the reason why I got in because I'm just very adventurous and I just want to explore things around me. But a lot of people, they have to go to school for certain for certain subject, they have to get their internship. They have to go through this super standard model of getting a job the way I do when I was in finance. And just you really have to think outside the box if you really want to start in, in, in blockchain. There's a lot of learning. 
and there's a lot of self-education, if you will. So some some women just don't think it's perhaps for them. And also, obviously, the entire industry is so new. There's no real experts in it. And I think there's so many opportunities for everybody, uh, especially for women, to just get out there. And I always tell everybody, you can whatever your best strength is, that's what you can bring into blockchain. If you're an amazing marketer, here we go. You could start an agency in marketing to market companies, or you could join a, a company as a marketer. Or, or a PR agency. That's right. <laughs> Indeed. And you can always learn your new trails and tricks and whatever you're good at, whatever you feel like, there is a need for every professional out here. Sales, with sales, accounting, finance, fundraising, whatever your skill set is. Just come on in. And I know it's definitely very uh, risky and there's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of talks, a lot of negativity per se. However, I do think that there is a lot of growth. It's just where just instead they say crypto winter or a little uh, downturn, but I think uh, it's just going to go back and it's cyclical just like any other market. Think about 2008. It was a disaster, but then it all went back to normal. So that's how I see it right now. You know, this reminds me of this. So I'm reading a psychology, evolutionary psychology book right now. It's called Why Beautiful People Have More Daughters. And they talk a lot about the the origin of why men tend to be more risk-taking and why women tend to be less risk-taking. And I don't want to make this whole podcast about evolutionary psychology, so I'm going to make it brief. But um, I guess one of the principal reasons is um, men basically have a lot more to lose. The There's something called... A, um, a reproductive like fitness floor and ceiling, basically how many kids you can like spawn in your life. And men are less likely to have any kids in their life as compared to most women are going to uh, at least have a chance to mate and have kids. And so like men have like a much higher chance of like never fathering anyone. So like they tend to be a lot more risk taking because the risk that they won't have any kids is much higher in general, which is kind of interesting. So yeah, they have to, you know, first of all, they don't have to do pregnancy thing. You know, yeah. it's inside of you, right? It's like there's yeah. nothing you can do about it. And, <laughs> and women tend to be less risk taking because the the risk is higher for them. Like in terms of, you know, you get with the wrong guy, you invest in the wrong dude. Like all of a sudden, you have nine months or longer and potentially fatal childbirth. Like I mean, before modern medicine, child like what was it, a third of women died during childbirth or something crazy like that. That's yeah, crazy. So it makes sense why women would be more less risk averse or more risk averse in general. But unfortunately, you know, it, it makes it so that risky industries tend to be filled more with men. And, and we should probably, like you said, do something a little to, to maybe make it like a, a safer industry. And I think that would help people in general. If we mm-hmm. work to make this industry less volatile, uh, society will benefit because we will actually like benefit from this blockchain technology instead of like constantly worrying about price speculation. Which is one of, my, one of my biggest pet peeves in this industry is that, you know, we tend to be focused on price and less about technology when it really should be the other way around, you know? Yeah. Anyway, so I want to know a little bit more about what does a crypto PR agency do? I mean, not everyone here is like an entrepreneur, has had to market themselves. What does a PR, a public relations company actually do in general? And then what are some of the, the nuances specific to crypto? Yeah, absolutely. So Crypto PR Lab, we are a full-service boutique PR agency. So PR agency is public relations. So is essentially, you're basically building your brand and your social presence out there in the media world. So if you're a startup and you're just starting out, nobody knows about you. How do you create... The first thing is you have to create exposure. You want to make sure, how do you raise money? You have to be exposed. So what you do, you have to make sure you write it by yourself. You're, obviously, you have to have a product or a technology to support it, but you also 
it's extremely important that you have to market yourself. You have to get out in the world and let them know that you do exist and you don't just exist. You're doing a great job and there's so much to offer to the world. So what we offer, we offer full strategy for about public relations. We create beautiful write-ups. We have an amazing team of writers and content creators and strategists that put together content for you and just throws it out there in the world and the media. So media typically divides in two, let's say, kind of three sections. So there's tier one, tier two, and tier three media outlets. So tier one, we're talking about Forbes, Entrepreneur, NASDAQ, or Mashable, or um, things like Cointelegraph, if we're talking crypto, or Coindesk, so basically top notch. Then we're going down a little, you know, down to level two, I'd say. So level two is basically a block telegraph, there's Coin Agenda, there's... Uh, Crowdfund Insider, there is No Techie, there is Next Big Future, and few others. And there's Tier 3 that's most of the time kind of blogs and much smaller media. So... You forgot Tier 1, uh, a bit cryptic podcast as well. Oh, that, oh that's <laughs> right. Good. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Sorry about that. Yeah. So, and all this, the, all this amazing media. So, you want to get out yourself out there. And first of all, the way you pick the media, you want to make sure it has very high amount of view. It's PR'd itself, so the media has to be known, sort of, and it has to show up on Google search. So once you really put yourself out there, when somebody Googles your name or your company, you're all over the news, people talk about you, start getting invited to conference. That's a very big one. You have to make sure you become a speaker at conferences, and we do that as well. So we'll place you as a speaker, not necessarily just a sponsor, just like paying conferences to be out there pitching your product for 30 minutes. No, which is a sponsor, we'll put you, I'm sorry, as a speaker to talk about technology. What have you done in this space? What are your inspirations? Why are you here? And that creates a lot of credibility and when people know about you. So that's what we do essentially, be yourself out there in the world. We also have a unit of it's another side of business for us. We do facilitate introductions for our clients to investors, strategic advisors. And we also operate a speaker agency where right now we'll probably work with more than 200 people, with 200 speakers. They're inspirational, they're business minds, they're, and we put them as speakers in conferences as well. So if you're a speaker as well, we can work with you and place you at conferences if you will. And like I said, Davos right now is very important where we create very influential dinners with people, putting together cocktails and invite guests from World Economic Forum Congress. And this is probably one of the most prominent event of the year for any company. And we bring leaders of this world to see even stronger leaders out there. So there's a lot of learning opportunity. And that's essentially what we do. And we're certainly interested to grow and expand and become more international. Right now, we only have 10 people and writers as well. Uh, we have right now eight writers working with us. So we're always looking for more talented writers. So if you want to work with a company that's uh, super up and coming, modern, doesn't really like any cliche type of things. Here we are. And that's what we're trying to grow and build. So if you want to be an up and coming crypto writer. Hell yeah. Knock the door and say hi to me in LinkedIn, email, or any other um, opportunity that comes in. We welcome everybody. We welcome all talent. Didn't think you were going to get jobless in this podcast, did you? <laughs> <laughs> Alexander, you recently featured on a webcast of The Deal to talk about deal making in general in, in blockchain and how deal making is going to change a lot because of blockchain, because of smart contracts, because of all the ways that blockchain is enabling us to, to change how we do business. 
Specifically, what aspects of deal making, contracts, negotiation, etc., uh, do you think is going to change or already has changed because of this new fandangled technology? Yeah, sure.、Um, yeah, the deal was really good. It was, took place in New York a few weeks back.、Uh, it was very knowledgeable team of experts in the space. We basically talked about deal making in terms of smart contracts. As you guys know, a smart contract is a special algorithm written with a specific code to facilitate deal making. Where you don't have to have your the biggest thing about it is you don't have to have the intermediaries in the space. Where I mean, me, I used to be a broker right in the real estate world, and there's so many intermediaries in between you and a client. So there's a lawyer, there is a you know you have to put all those contracts together. There is accountants. There is a bunch of other brokers. There is a seller, which is developer. So all those things sometimes, if you don't manage it properly, there's so much human error possibility there. Something gets filled in improperly, and in in M and A specifically, it's such a heavy diligence process in the M and A meaning mergers and acquisitions. Exactly, mergers and acquisitions. It's such a heavy、uh, diligence process where there's so many moving parts. There's so many paperwork. The, Things that you have to fill in, and all that sometimes creates. First of all, it takes a lot of time, extremely time-consuming, and then it creates human error. If you can automate all that through use of smart contracts, it makes so much sense. And also, as you know,、uh, blockchain is a distributed ledger where it, every information that you add to the blocks is fully transparent, so you can't just hide it or eliminate it. So that creates a lot of trust and credibility for. Mergers and acquisition transaction or any transaction where you know for sure that this took place and it's solid and there's no errors and you know that this is done properly and you you can track back and I think has so much opportunity and so much credibility and so much growth opportunities for deal making it going forward in the future. That's what I think. So. Essentially,、uh, smart contracts will allow、uh, more trust, more transparency, and more efficiency because. The terms of the contract are built into the code, right? So no one can renege on their side of the deal because things are just built in. Like you, you can't you can't cheat a code, and everyone can、exactly. see what's happening because it is open to everyone to see. The blockchain is is well, at least certain blockchains. If it's not a privacy version, are available for everyone to see. So、exactly. you have these you have these efficient, open, and and. Trustworthy things. So th- this is probably even reduced costs as well, right? Hundred percent. Because if you have all this, in- for first of all, intermediaries you have to pay them a fee. It's typically a broker dealer where you have to pay them commission. Then there's extra hired employees. It's absolutely cost effective to have implement smart contracts. I mean, right now it's a bit. I think it's a bit challenging, but I think it's going to take、uh, some time to properly implement it. But I th- I believe that it's going to happen at some point. It's just a matter of time. Sure. This is an interesting industry because it's like both so new, but also it's growing so fast. So like sometimes I'm like, oh man, it's gonna take forever to like finally like、mm-hmm. uh, get this、yes. up to speed. And so it'll be interesting. I've really I don't have any idea how long it's gonna take for all this stuff to finally be real. But I'm very excited for when it does. Some people think we're still at like the you know the protocol stage when the internet was first invented, and some people think we're a little bit closer to the Amazon and the Google. But so there's a lot of exciting stuff coming out. What are some of the most exciting things for you in this space? Like what got you most excited for the blockchain space? I know you know you mentioned there's like a diversity of people.、Um, was it was it more the people in it, or was it the technology? Was it the synergy of both? What really gets you excited in blockchain and for the future of blockchain? Sure, I think what excites me really is absolutely combination of a few things. 
people absolutely the variety of backgrounds that just come together and build this uh, industry empire sometimes I'd say and definitely how also the most amazing thing about blockchain especially entrepreneurs it's so dynamic most founders they just move around from city to city jumping around from conference to conference from meeting to meeting absolutely internationally and I know a lot of founders who are in fact real nomads they're literally sold off if they had any property. <laughs> it's not even a joke. I'm, I've never met it anywhere else. They basically sold off their old property. They travel the world with their small suitcase. And that's it. Sometimes some of them get like storage unit or whatever. They literally don't have anything. They just live from places to places for years now. And I'm just like, you know, like, wow. It's it, I've never seen it in any other industry. I feel like only uh, freelancers do that. But... When you have entire company, all founders living this kind of lifestyle, it's pretty incredible. It's extremely unique. And I hope it's going to continue growing. Um, I'm not sure if I'm a nomad type type. <laughs> However, I do I do travel a lot as well, but I do like to have a base, which is in New York at the moment. But I do often go to San Fran where my co-founder is. But I am sort of a New Yorker, if that makes sense. So yeah, it's it's pretty incredible industry. It, it's changing all standards of any other industry. It's just everything it feels upside down when you look at what's going on. There is certainly a lot of... Uh, also, a blockchain can attract bad people. When you could raise money so easily with literally just a piece of paper and some nonsense uh, goal for a company or whatever... Definitely, there's, I mean, you could raise money out of nowhere. I mean, I could probably, if I was two years ago, I would probably start like a tree coin. Oh, you know, let's save trees and <laughs> plant more trees all over the world. I'd probably raise them $100 million, yeah. right? So, it's... So, you're, you're admitting you would have done it if you had the opportunity. <laughs> uh, you know, I probably would, but why would you, would you not? I mean, it's crazy. I mean, if I found out about this sooner, I'd probably become, I'd probably be a millionaire and be like, hey, anything I want. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, I was joking, obviously. But uh, so it has upside and downside. Obviously, it created some bad people that just wanted to cash out quickly and get the money and disappear. And a lot of these companies, a lot of these founders, you never heard of after after the fundraise, right? They just disappeared completely. So, and I, I've been to conferences for probably over a year now. So I'm definitely seeing that dynamic. Everyone from last year who fundraised, a lot of them I haven't heard from <laughs> for some time. So hopefully I, right now I feel like, you know, this whole crypto winter is this sort of a downturn where now it's going to take a little proper turn where it's not going to be that nonsense taking place anymore. It's going to be much more regulated. People that are going to stay are actually believe in technology and actually want to be in it and they really believe in growing this industry. And hopefully that's the case. So we'll see. You never know. Yeah. There's so much you said there that I want to pick apart. So I, I got to be privy to like some ICOs as they were happening, that were, some of which successful, some of not. But yeah, it was, it was a crazy time. It was like for about a year there, it was the Wild West. And at least in like June 2017, I mean, I haven't had them on this show, but I've previously interviewed some guys that like literally they told me they raised money off of a one pager. And I was like, shut up. They're like, yeah, we raised $30 million. I'm like, you raised 30 fucking million dollars. <laughs> on it's a, not a joke. It's true. On There's a one pager. <laughs> what are you doing? And it's poorly written, by the way, with grammatical errors. Oh my God. It was... <laughs> It was disgusting, <laughs> disgustingly awesome and horrible at the same time. So like, and this guy actually built a product and stuff, but I don't think he needed $30 million. And it seemed like he had a company size that was very small. So I'm, I'm still wondering what they're, I guess they just have a, you know, 
Well, they had a huge runway. Now, I guess their runway is, if they kept it all in Ethereum, is probably shortened significantly, which is another thing that's interesting specific to the crypto world. It's like how many, how many industries are you raising money in a form of currency that is like so volatile where you originally thought you had $20 million and all of a sudden... It's like $2 million. If it's today, yeah, it'd be, it'd be $2 million. Really not. It's just the way it's just... I mean, blockchain is amazing at the same time. It's crazy and it's amazing. And I know Nuriel would be in it quite well. And, you know, we work with him a lot. And as he says, blockchain with, is with the who? big Nuriel Rubini. As his other name is Dr. Doom. He predicted the crisis. He's a very famous economist and gets excited. I mean, he's actually part of World Economic Forum as well. And he says, oh, ICO is the biggest scam on the entire <laughs> universe, etc. Well, there's definitely a scam part to it, but I think it's also a revolution. So, well, we shall see. We shall see. You know, it's funny. We had Patrick Byrne on the show a f- couple episodes ago, and his mentor was Warren Buffett. And Warren Buffett is one, and also Crazy. another guy who's been infamous for just predicting how he thinks that you know it's all it's all a scam. It's all it's all just a bunch of like smoke and mirrors. And if you're investing in this, you better be prepared to lose everything. Which you know we've seen definitely a lot of this year, myself included. And my it hurts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it reminds me of. Of like MMM. Have you heard of it? Mavrodi? No. It's basically like this pyramid, like a scam, scam pyramid that happened to take place in Eastern Europe and etc. So that's what it reminds me of. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Or these, not to say that crypto is a scam in itself, but there are definitely a lot of companies that have, have created scam like setups. So if, if you see, here's like a good rule of thumb. If you see a website or a white paper that offers money for bringing in more people, it isn't necessarily a scam, but the likelihood that it is a scam goes up way higher because um, it's essentially like structured like a pyramid scheme, you know? Exactly. We vet our projects that we work with super carefully. I mean, we basically show them to all our advisors and everybody who's been in the space for a while and see if this is actually worth pursuing. You, have, you definitely have to be careful. But it doesn't mean you should just go ahead and just be super negative about it. Sorry about the comments, but just be realistic and that's it don't don't over promise yourself something but make sure also you do solid research and you know what the company is about but i think honestly this is just one of those times holiday season enjoy your family time relax 2019 is gonna start kicking it off again that's yeah. it and i think we'll start a lot of people are predicting that it's gonna go up in january and you know nothing we say on this podcast is financial advice but a lot of people are predicting like the kind of a similar cycle to what happened in the last year where the, you have this like winter spike in prices and especially with the Ethereum hard fork coming up in January, well, it should be interesting to see what happens. Although there's been a lot of predictions that have the complete opposite thing happened. So who knows it's actually going to come about. Absolutely. So I asked this to some guests and I'm curious to hear what your opinion is or not opinion, but what do you think are some of your favorite resources to learn about crypto? What would you recommend in terms of like books, videos, websites? Is there anything that you go to, to, to get your, your updates on what's happening? Yeah, absolutely. Besides this podcast? <laughs> of course. <laughs> I do like this book called uh, Digital Gold. It's it's quite amazing. Basically, talks about history of Bitcoin, where it came from. I mean, Roger Veer is one of the main characters. Definitely must read. I do like to read uh, the media, not just the coin. Uh, let's say crypto media, like Coin Telegraph or Coin Desk. I do read them a lot, but I also like to see 
what traditional media outlets like New York Times or Financial Times or Yahoo Finance talks about. And they do oftentimes uh, cover crypto. I do like podcasts. I mean, your podcast is amazing. Bad Crypto Podcast <laughs> is good. And just like, you know, Google search. But um, major media outlets, it's great. And also try to, if you're really interested, try to get into some popular Telegram groups out there. There's a lot of, there's you know, there's trading groups where you can learn about trading crypto and learn from um, experienced traders. There's all sorts of groups that you can learn from and have conversations with real people and get proper advice and really get into community versus just like reading something off the paper. It's nice to be involved with the community and meeting people. And also conferences. Oftentimes, I mean, you when you go to a conference, you you meet uh, people that have done it, been there, and have a lot to share. And I feel like this personal touch and personal connections with the leaders and founders and those who've been there creates extra special thing. But I mean, I think it's a combination of both. And if you have a friend who's done it all, that's definitely a great thing to, to learn more what happened and kind of track the pattern of where it's going to go next. But definitely reading, uh, reading podcasts, uh, there's all sorts of uh, learning uh, opportunities out there nowadays. Yeah. I think in people is my favorite way to learn, which is, I guess, why I have this podcast in the first mm-hmm. place. Because there's so many things you get to hear from people that aren't written about online, uh, that don't come out maybe in like, you know, more more uh, short forms. So, and people just have such a wealth of knowledge and they, they can tell you things that are that you just aren't really going to hear from anywhere else. So, it's, it's a lot of fun. So, we're almost out of time on the podcast. Do you have any closing thoughts that you want to leave the audience with? Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me around. And I appreciate that we still have people that are, you know, growing exposure about crypto and they're still enthusiastic, even given the kind of a downturn that we have right now. I think that I appreciate everyone who's trying to educate the uh, general public about crypto and and the blockchain world because still after, you know, recent events with, you know, Bitcoin and Ethereum going down so rapidly, a lot of people just don't want to even enter blockchain. They think it's all not going to work out and etc. And I appreciate people that grow our community and continue to believe it. And I think it's definitely going to improve. It's just a matter of time. And thank you so much again for having me. Of course. Pleasure's all mine. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people are just saying it's it's kind of like the dot-com boom where you have a lot of these companies that are just not going to make it. But the companies that truly have an outstanding technology, outstanding teams, they're going to shine through and show what this industry is worth. So, absolutely, thank you for giving us that little ray of hope and optimism. Thank you so much. (laughs) So, where can people find more about what you guys are doing? Absolutely. We're on Twitter at CryptoPRLab. We are, you can visit our website, www.CryptoPRLab.com. And you can email me, either me directly at Alexandra at CryptoPRLab or at info at CryptoPRLab. And we're also on Telegram group. It's CryptoPRLab number one. So looking forward to hearing from all of you. Thank you so much. Yeah. If you want to get that writing job. <laughs> and as a little teaser for future episodes, you mentioned the Bad Crypto Podcast. I'm scheduling an interview actually with someone from the Bad Crypto Podcast. Oh, so that's we can awesome. Get some, uh, awesome. I love them. They're great. Yeah. We're going to get some crypto podcast on crypto podcast action coming up soon. So. Yeah. We, work a lot. we worked with Rachel Wolfson and we worked with Travis and the whole team. So, they're great. Awesome. Well, great I'm excited. That. And thank you so much. Have a great day, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to a Bit Cryptic Podcast. A Bit Cryptic podcast is hosted by Alain Leon, Dang Du, and myself, Jeff Peterson. Show notes are by our editor-in-chief, Dang Du. Website is by Sammy Toucan and his team at Pack Surge Media.
Remember, nothing we say in this show is meant to be financial advice. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends and family. Thank you for listening. And remember, keep it cryptic.